This is a yelling podcast. From poking at you to plans and everything in between, this is Magnified Pod, the only podcast that discusses culture, religion, politics, and the entire discography of everyone's favorite left coast punks, MXPX. And we're back. How's it going, John? It's good, man. Awesome. Um, so, as many of you know, this episode is being released on July 30th. And at this point, I'm going to operate under the assumption that future John and Andrew <laughs> have already been listening to and digesting Mm-hmm. the new record because he said July mm-hmm. they're saying July and I know there is there are 31 days in July and this mm-hmm. is on the 30th but if it's not released by then they're really pushing they're really weird. pushing the released in July yeah. um but here's hoping yep um and I also just wanted to say uh, one other thing as you know we did an interview with Jason Hockney Zymet, which was posted last week. And at this point, as of today, the Pick It Up Ska Doc hit over $100,000, which is super rad. Stretch goal. Stretch goal. And it's now at $104,000. Boom. So So much Ska. So much Ska. They're going to release that limited edition vinyl which I um, am getting because yeah. I was super pumped about that. And we'll do so, a bonus app when that comes out. Oh, yeah. We got to. What voice was that? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so anyway, John, you had something you wanted to say. Just uh, our socials, our download Our social platforms. security numbers. Our social security numbers. Mine is. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we are available now on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. Boom. Stitcher. Boom. Google Play. Bam. Spotify. Zoop. YouTube. Yeah. We're starting, <laughs> I'm starting to upload the videos to YouTube. Yeah. Um, until I get some DMCAs and they knock me off. <laughs> So far, so good. So far, so good. Don't sue us, A&M. Um, rate and review us. Subscribe if you like it. Hit us on Twitter and Instagram at Magnified Pod. Email us your stories or MP3s or whatever you have to share with us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. And uh, today we have sort of a special episode. We have an interview with my good buddy Tyler, Tyler Day. He's got some hot takes on Before Everything and After and this era of uh, pop punk in general and we thought he kind of represented an interesting take on that time which maybe we weren't um quite uh in the same wheelhouse on so i think he said some interesting things and we, we have a good discussion yeah i'm um i'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say i'm <laughs> sure we will have some differing <laughs> opinions but yeah. um time will tell maybe he will surprise me mm. but um, since, since he has a time crunch, why don't we, why don't we start off this app with that phone call? So why don't we, uh, why don't we get Tyler on the line? Let's do it on the pod now. 
bringing in Tyler Day. Tyler is a good buddy of mine. He's a writer. He's a former lead singer of a early 2000s era emo band. Uh, he has strong opinions about this album. Very strong. He uh, recently... Don't interrupt, don't interrupt the intro. <laughs> How dare you? He recently relocated uh, from Chicago to Southern California. So uh, the king of Hollywood himself, Tyler Day, <laughs> welcome well, to Magnified Pod. Thank you. And this is actually the first time we've talked on the phone or talked, I've heard your voice, except for the podcast, since I left. Oh, man. So I was thinking, I was listening to the album, and I was like, I'm not crying right now. I, I think I just have something in my eye. <laughs> it's perfect. But it's uh, good to talk to you again. You too, man. It's going to bring out all the feels from this yeah. album. And I, and I expect you to speak exclusively in MXPX lyrics, because <laughs> we have been honing that skill ourselves. That's... I mean, that's it's the wrong. language. I mean, it gave us everything we need to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's talk a little bit about. Sorry, I just need to interject one more thing. <laughs> yeah. So since since he moved, John, would you say everything sucks <laughs> when, <laughs> since he's been gone? Absolutely. Okay. Sorry. Um, okay. No more. I don't want to derail again. But well, no. I did send John a picture a few minutes ago. I am wearing a "Everything Sucks" T-shirt or a tank oh top. But not the MXPX Everything Sucks. It's the only Everything Sucks I acknowledge. It's the Real Big Fish Everything Sucks, yes. oh. which is a concert I went to with John. It was like negative 10 degrees, and I decided, why not buy a tank top? So. <laughs> what a great night. Uh, yeah. Let me just, all I ever needed was to eat popcorn with you, bro. <laughs> so I feel like we're really just letting it all hang out here tonight. Um, so let's talk about... Um, where you were at in 2003, because part of why we wanted to have you on the show was to talk about kind of this era, um, what was going on in punk and emo at the time. You know, Andrew and I talked a little bit in the Ever Passing Moment pod about how at this point I was a little bit checked out of the scene, um, whereas, you know, you're a few years younger than us, so like you were kind of in your this prime. This is my scene. Yeah, exactly. So talk about that a little bit. Well, I, I should probably first say I am not the MXBX head like you two are. Sure. I don't know how you guys remember some of the stuff you remember. Because <laughs> it's, uh, it's in our blood, man. <laughs> and it's in Google. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? All of these statistics? Oh, right, right. These are off the dome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I'm prepared to make the argument that 2003 was the best music, yes, year of music in our, our lifetimes. People talk about the, I don't know, late 60s, early 70s, that's all bullshit. 2003 <laughs> was the most important year of music, and I'll get to that later. Oh, my God. But I'm, I'm, I have a full list. I mean, the Out the, the gate with that, a fire take. Yeah, so I'm ready for that. Where I was, I mean, I, I was, I don't know, I was uh, in high school, sophomore, junior, Right. I did meet my my uh, eventual wife in 2013. Wait, 2003. 2003. Big correct. Uh, I hope she doesn't that... listen to this, man. That's a. Just <laughs> <laughs> true. We actually met at a music festival that night. There was a Sum 41 concert mm. that'll loop into later. Uh, we were supposed to meet the next day at a Real Big Fish show. She never showed. It was a very long story. It eventually worked out. 
but I, I mean, I was in a emo punk, very confused band as well. We weren't good. What I were you called again? Uh, we were called The Morning After oh, with yes. a U. So we were M-O-U-R because <laughs> we were very sad about something. <laughs> so good. We had T-shirts with a, a white rose on the sleeve. I also yes. had that same white rose on the back of my black um, Volkswagen Golf. So good. That um, that that was a that time uh, in the music scene was you would you were starting to see logos ending up on other parts like definitely the sides of shirts yeah on sleeves oh, yeah. it's it it's it wasn't more anymore it wasn't just like on the in the middle and on the back it's like yeah let's do some let's do some wraparound sort of stuff sure. going on that was very yeah, early man. 2000s and we did have on the back of the bottom we had one of our lyrics which said our paradise had passed <laughs> now Love we it. lived in the most cush uh <laughs> like preppy suburb you can imagine we had no paradise that passed um we had nothing really to be very sad about but we were we were a little bit sad <laughs> um but i think we were i mean our band was uh uh very conf- uh, i think it, it, it was emblematic of the time because this was a bridge time where you had your pop punk elements you had the emo you had the emo core and the and the screamo coming but we weren't quite there yet but some mm-hmm. people wanted to be there so we were we were kind of in between, and we tried to be all things, and we were we were nothing. But our highlight, we did open a show for, I think it was Paris TX. They had like the hit song in Blade Two, the oh, wow. Wesley Snipes movie. Oh, of course, that's, it's in my yeah. top. No, I don't, I've never seen <laughs> Blade Two. Is a good movie, is yes. it? Yeah, I've never seen any of the Blades. Blade Two is the Guillermo del Toro directed one. So oh. That's uh, legit then. Where was that show? Uh, it was at a place called Mad Planet in Milwaukee. Dope. Um, yeah, we, we really owned that club for a few months. And I, I had two highlights. That was one highlight. The other highlight was we played this tiny little community center show once, and I was sick that day, and we were playing a Thursday cover. We were playing... Um, um, uh, burn um, the shapers, the burn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was really sick, and I I forgot the lyrics while I was singing them. So I sort of half panicked, ran off stage, and threw up in the bathroom, <laughs> and came back, yeah. finished the song, and afterwards, like the four people were there, they were like, "Oh, that was really hardcore." I'm like, Thank <laughs> you. That's what I was going for. That is but punk. Those were our two highlights. Yeah, man. So. Yeah, like talk about, so when the album came out, were you primed for it? Like, was this right along the lines of what you were into already? Was it, uh, like, is is this when you came into uh, listening to them for the first time? No, I was an ever-passing moment. Right, right, uh, okay. That, that, was my, that was my first go, um, partly because the first concert I ever went to was the 2001 MXPX show at the Rave in Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, I was 13, and I went with my, the only way I could go was I went with my older brother, he's about your guys' age, and he went with his buddies, they went down in the pit, and I had to sit upstairs in the balcony. <laughs> now, 
who opened that night for them was the just signed to their first record deal, Good Charlotte, yeah. who now I'll say I never liked them, but then I wrote really hard, especially for that first album. Andrew did too. I did too that. I was all on board with that album, yeah. and then immediately I, I turned on them. Like almost immediately after that second album came out, I was hard against the Madden Bros. But then you came back when they had when they came out with the river. Absolutely, absolutely. Their, no. their version, their version of Kings of Hollywood. Ooh. Everyone wants to talk about Los Angeles. Hold that till later. Yeah, that's it's no it. <laughs> that was so. That was your first show, I think. So I saw them on that tour too. I think that might have been the last time I saw them until. I saw them again a few years ago. Um, so interesting. Yes, well, I saw them so on that, that tour night. Too. So my my two memories from that night: one, the good Charlotte, the bassist had blue hair. I thought that was very cool. <laughs> two, we uh, so I, I had to be up in the balcony because I was thirteen. I, I was quite afraid. Right. But I told my buddy, who I was you know, because with, I said, the the MXPX shows are notorious for just no, dude. <laughs> That pit, that, yeah, that opened up that a legitimate pit. Legitimate dark club, like this is a dark club. My brother, I think, a couple months before, had just he went to a, a Goldfinger concert, and my I, I remember him coming home without his shirt on, and he was just like <laughs> dazed, and I was like, oh, this is something happens. He's been there. through something. <laughs> yeah, so I was a little bit nervous, but I told my buddy, I was like, because my brother told me they're probably going to finish with punk rock show. Of be course. prepared, be ready. Yeah. So I was up there. I convinced my buddy. I was like. We're, when it hits, we're going to go. We're just going to run and we're going to go. Yes. And it hit and we ran downstairs, ran, oh, ran down the back stairway and we had two minutes of glory. And that That's was it. Beautiful. That was my first like meaningful uh, punk rock experience. I and, love it. That's it, great. It was, look, I think, so, I think while that... While I'm not the, uh, I don't have the, uh, you know, the undying affection. Sure. They, they hold a important place in my life. And I think that actually, I mean, outside of Cornerstone, um, I think seeing th- them, I saw them during the Ever Passing Moment tour as well. Um, I saw them in, in Chicago at the Metro, and that it was a very surreal experience for me as well to be like, wow, this, these are these guys that I've been admiring for years now and there they are right in front of my face did you go to the because I, I didn't realize this happened but the 2003 tour when the before everything and after came out did you go to the the dashboard brand new mxpx show i didn't i oh. i wish i did because i was a huge dashboard confessional Oof. fan a huge brand new fan um, at this point and you know to I think we should get into the you talked about 2003 being a great year for music and there are the, the best year <laughs> well, don't get it twisted let, yeah okay well <laughs> I will say there are some for me what I was listening to uh, that came out that year um you know, because brand new, brand new came out with Deja Entendu, which is a was when I first heard that. This is it was 
so much better than your favorite weapon. Um, Coheed and Cambria came out with In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3. Blink-182 had their self-titled release. Um, May had Destination Beautiful. Um, these were like all the really great um, punk um, alternative uh, emo stuff that was coming out uh, at that time. And oh, Postal Service, Give Up. That was a huge. Yeah. That was a huge album. But you mentioned Dashboard, and um, were you were you a, a Dashboard fan? I mean, sure. I, I was in on all of these. That was the same year. Are you ready for the full list? Because that was the same year as a Mark Commission brand of Scar. Okay. Two thousand three. You ready for the full list? <laughs> Let's hear it. I'm gonna Let's... add to your list. Okay. You ready? Uh, well, first, can we comment on that Blink One Eight Two album. That's finally the one that they just let tom take over which means it was by far the best one they let they let the big guy go tyler's so got uh, hot takes on blink they too. Let, they, and you guys can all ride for dude ranch and cheshire cat but yeah. no one's going back and listening to that entire album because oh, there are some disagree songs on those albums D- disagree we just need to let tom go and do his thing anyway i will say little- quickly about the blink self-titled i had fallen off with them around enema and was like i don't know but then when that one came out i like got back into them again yeah that was did some interesting stuff on that one that was actually my my entry point because i was i i was not really a blink 182 fan growing up i thought that they were like the devil's music no i I thought they were (laughs) i mean that might have been part of it but i don't know i i also it's like I thought they were like a sellout band that wasn't talking about anything of substance. Sure. And I wanted I wanted some substance in my punk rock. Mm. But when I saw when I heard this album, I was like, oh, they were doing something. Yeah. Um, plus, we all need to talk about the Tom DeLonge miss you. Where are you? When they just they, that that whole he like, goes full time on that one. He does, and the my favorite part is whoever put it together like that twenty four hour loop of that from that music video of just <laughs> circling through his section just from his that part. just yeah. his part because it's it's pretty great. Anyway, yeah. so John, John's heard my argument about all good bands need clear number ones. So, I mean, it's the same thing with, um, uh, I watch a lot of basketball, basketball teams. You need a clear, like, front runner who's clearly the leader of your band. So, like, and, Yuri in MXPX. Right. So, MXPX is a good band because there's clearly a number one, right? He's the, the dynamic dude who's going to probably push it, and it's clear, my, clearly in charge of that band. Yep. And for Blink Forever, there was clearly a number one and a number two. Uh, Tom was the visionary. He's a little, 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 could go off the rails, a little collective, but he'll push them further than the others. So when he left and they do this album, the latest one with uh, the dude from Alkaline Trio, like those are two number twos. It's a fine album. There's yeah. some okay songs on it. There's not a number one in that band anymore. And there's no number one and there's no, there's nothing interesting. There's but they, nothing... Also, they also sound too similar in my, in my view. When you yeah. have someone like Mark sure, and yeah, Tom... Yeah that there's a very distinct vocal difference. Yeah. And so it has, it has a, it was, it feels more dynamic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, so here's the list. Yeah. You ready for this? Do it. Hit us. 
Okay, so we talked about brand new. We talked about Blink-22. This was the year that, that Feldman, hit me about, have you guys talked about Feldy and Mike as part of Goldfinger? Not yet. Okay, so I'm sure you will. But this was the year Feldy really took off as the godfather of the scene, right? 2002 is when Open Your Eyes came out, the Goldfinger album. 2003, he produces the used Maybe Memories, Story of the Years, Page Avenue, and the Mess Self-Tied-Em-Off album. All three, real important in that scene. The Dashboard Confessional album, Boys Night Out, Make Yourself Sick, Matchbook Romance Stories and Alibis, Saleson's original EP, Translating the Name, the Yellow Card Ocean Avenue album, Motion City Soundtracks, I Am the Movie, the All-American Rejects album that we all actually secretly liked, Reliant K's album, we don't like to admit that we liked. Oh, that's the, on my list. <laughs> the Atari So Long Astoria, Fall Out Boys Take This to Your Grave, the only one that I like, the Alkaline Trio's Good Morning, Thursday War of All Time, Armor for Sleep's album, the AFI Sing the Sorrow, this was, you said the Coed in Cambria, late 2002, we had the Taking Back Sunday, Alistair and Sum 41's big albums, and then we also had our favorite... When she was alive and not a body double, it was Avril Lavigne's big album. It was two thousand three, <laughs> and then and that's just like somewhere in this pop punk emo scene. That's a lot. But then beyond that, we have if you go into like broader music, you have Jay Z's Black album, Beyonce's first solo album, the whole New York rock scene with White Stripes, Yeah Yeah Yeahs, fucking heavier things from John Mayer, <laughs> Meteora from Linkin Park. The one good ludicrous album, if you count that, Black Eyed Peas, Radiohead with John Counts, I don't. I'll take, my, take that one to my grave. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm missing some, but at least for scene kids like myself that I was at the time, 2003 was everything. Like every, when you, like the thing now, because now we're talking nostalgia about emo scene and you have emo night LA and all that stuff. Like, I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm guessing the high proportion of songs in their Emo Night LA's playlist are from 2003. This mm-hmm. is when our music came out. This is when we started to play with, oh, we don't just have to have the pop punk sound. Maybe we, could, maybe we can be a little bit more sad. Maybe we can be a little bit more desperate. Maybe we can be a little bit more, we, we, can, we can scream a bit. Maybe we can bring in some double bass. We can be a little bit more hardcore. We can, I mean, the, the world is ours. So 2003 was... At least for, for me and 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 uh, kids that I grew up with, it was it was the most important year of music of our lives. So, so for for the MXPX folks who consider before kind of a low point, what was it about this album that? So it, you say it's your favorite MXPX record, right? Yes. So like. Is it just because it fit well within that time, or are there specific things about this album that make you and made you like it? No, there's no specific things. It's sure. like, I was thinking about this. It's like if I had a rock collection, right? Or a coin collection. I don't know what people collect, but I think people have rock collections. Sure. But all those records I just listed are to me like all my big, beautiful 2003 rock collection right Mm -hmm. and like 15 years later and even when i was 15 16 at the time like i'm not picking apart blemishes on individual rocks like i don't care if it's jagged i don't care if it's smooth right because at at one time i I cherish each and every one of them right like their bumps and nicks and all like i thought it was entirely logical at the time 
uh, to pick rocks from the ground and put them in a box like it would matter. And when I was 2000, when it was 2003, all I cared about was listening to this music. And I didn't have like negative takes on things, right? Like when I saw a movie, it was, oh, that was my favorite movie I've ever seen. Like, sure. When I listened to a new album, it was, oh, this is the best album. I just wanted more and more at the time. Like I don't have to be a critic or to have like actual thoughts. Like I'm sure by the time you guys got to 21, 22 and you're listening, you had some context. You had some music history. You could actually have an opinion about like where this stacks and things like when you're younger like it doesn't it doesn't matter so when i look back like this album is fine there are some (laughs) songs on it but i but i cherish it because of what it reminds me of because it's part of this collection and the collection as a whole is beautiful and like so i I don't need that i think that's probably how we feel about or maybe i'll just speak for myself like 96 97. Yeah. I I think that there are, you know, I've heard um, that there are people, there's some studies about when, what, at what age boys and girls have, when they start listening to music and have their like most significant album musical experiences and and while i can appreciate what you're saying about this being a part of a whole you know having your entry point into mxpx be the ever passing moment then followed up by this yeah as as at a period of time is significantly um different in terms of um, our overall earlier experiences with the earlier records um, at a different time in the mid 90s when punk rock and pop punk was a, a different kind of thing because while I do like quite a few of those albums that you had mentioned um, that had come out and those bands that I was listening to um, I didn't want MXPX to fall into that that hole. I didn't want them to fall into that scene. I had different expectations for them, for their music. And maybe that's not fair, but I I see this album as a in this period of time and just from the features alone as an indication of what this was going on in the music scene in, mm-hmm. in pop punk as a um, as sort of problematic and in, in which is probably why this album to me is single handedly their their weakest and most forgettable. See, I, I don't. I find like step the idea of someone or a group or a person being static is incredibly boring. Not that like if you stay in a particular genre, you're static, but I, I, I would find like, I'm entirely different than I at 20, than I was at 15 at 25 than I was at 20 at yeah. 30 than I was at 25. My sure. musical tastes are incredibly different. So like either for, for a band like that, like either we say they are being inauthentic or they are being sure. by changing, or we give them the idea that oh maybe they're maybe musically they just kind of have some different tastes when they're I don't know how old they were but like maybe they have some like, different tastes then. I think and they like were like twenty six. Yeah. 
yeah, so maybe they like different stuff at 26. Maybe they started to listen to different stuff when they were 26. Maybe they, they didn't have as much angst because maybe they had a, you know, a house and a, right. and, and something. Mike, to, he Mike just got married. married. Yeah. Yeah. So like, maybe like, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to try to bullshit all this angst and, and sort of, uh, I don't know, you guys called it buffer in one of the other episodes, you talked about buffering the, or, or something that, the, uh. the, the sound or whatever, but like, what am I going to like fake? I mean, that would be almost be less authentic. Yeah. I've been uh, thinking about this a lot in relation to the new record. Cause there's like a pressure on it for me that like, in theory, I want it to sound like their first few albums, but I don't know if that's actually what I want. Like I, that's where like the pleasure center of my brain is because of what you're saying. Like, I still love those albums, but I think it's largely because of the way that they hit me when I was growing up. And so do I actually want that? Like, would I like a new album that came out that sounded like the songs on Teenage Politics? Like, maybe not. <laughs> no. And so I want them to sound more mature, but kind of retain that sound. So, yeah, it's an interesting thing with expectations and, and how we That's came to That's because you would probably like to, like, be some version of your, like, with your hopes and ambitions of your 16, 17-year-old self, but maybe a little bit more mature, maybe a little bit more responsible. Sure, yeah. But still have those same kind of, you know, inclination. Yeah. And like, I, it doesn't, it, I mean, yeah. So like, obviously mu music tastes, music style is subjective and whatever. But like, I, I just don't have, I don't have an interest in a band like recreating sure. or holding on to something that they had. Now, maybe they, they, they tried something new and it wasn't good. And that's, that's a totally reasonable too. But like, I, I'd much rather have somebody try something different and fail than like, try to recapture or stay in this same like that's boring like that's boring i'm sure it's boring for them like i, I don't know like I, let's, I would rather have them sort of push the bounds uh i'm not necessarily think that before everything and after push bounds of anything but uh i don't know like i, I i'm here for something different like I, in, and i i'm not making the argument that i want them to re-record the same album because none of them were the same album from Poconaccia to Ever Passing Moment, those, none of those albums sounded like sure. any of the ones before. And so I thought that they were, they were on a, the trajectory that the band was on, I thought was like, okay, they're, they're continuing to write new songs that are different. They're, you know, life in general from, from life in, uh, you know, Poconaccia to, or um, Teenage Politics to life in general, that was a, that was a year and that yeah. was a huge difference. Yeah. And they tr were trying something different. And, you know, there's a new, new person in the band, new guitarist, and, and Mike was becoming a better songwriter. Um, I, I think where this album fails is in the overall production. It feels, it feels slick in a way that, um, and that doesn't mean that I want the album to sound bad because Ever Passing Moments sounded great, Slowly Going the Way of the Buffalo sounded amazing, Life in General was outstanding. So the, they all sounded great in terms of production, but this, it feels, it feels more like a studio album than any of their other studio albums. You can you can hear the 
that be, it being constructed. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's one of the things coming from it, where they, the songwriting that Mike had in the ever passing moment, it felt like he, he was wearing his influences on on his sleeve with the the writing, even calling them out in the notes, as we discussed in our episode with um, Elvis Costello and Tom Petty. And, and so you're like, yeah, I can see that. And this, to me, smacks of 2003 um, pop punk. Um, you know, this is just, this is Diet MXPX. <laughs> It, you know they're they're making that diet Pepsi money for the Super Bowl, and it sounds, it sounds like, it that's what it is. And but you know what you do when you're 28 or 30, you drink Diet Coke more than regular Coke. I'm out on regular Coke. Just give me some Diet Coke. Maybe maybe like this is why there's some there's some uh, re re listenability to it. Cause like I, I'm not, you know, maybe I want something clean when I, when I get a little bit older. And maybe sure. they did too. Yeah. Okay, so let's um let's talk your your top three. So you you mean you're not even arguing that this is a great album, but you know there if you're gonna make an argument um, for why this is your favorite album, you know I'd like to hear you know your your top three. But I, I'm also interested in hearing you defend what I think are. Um, the worst songs in MXPX's entire catalog. <laughs> Can we start with "Quit Your Life"? <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> so, what, like, well, let's a... let's let's um let's take a little uh, listen to "Quit Your Life." Yeah. Before. I've been everywhere around the world, and finally here tonight. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Okay, I'm quitting that song. That's about as much as I can handle. Okay, here it is. Okay. It's not, again, it's not the album. It's the collection of albums that came around it. Sure. It's what this song was, is a representation of at the time. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm sure it's not isolated this time. But you had all of these pop punk type bands. And every record, you know, you could count on one or two where they just bring out the acoustic guitar and they bring it back. And this is the part of the show where you bring out your lighter because phones weren't that illuminated at that point yet. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you just slow it down a little bit and you take a little breather. So this song is, a, is emblematic of this emo anthem. Sure. And I, we, I, I assume at your funeral triggers something for you, the Save the Day song. <laughs> That's 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 a great song. That's a great song. Saves the day. Okay, so John and I were talking this about this off off um, off the pod before we started recording. Um, I don't even think of this as an emo song. I think of it as a bad song. <laughs> and yeah, it's emotional. But if I want to listen to, if I want to listen to some emo, I'm gonna throw on places you've come to fear the most and scream every single word to that to that 
that album because I know them all. And this song, just because it's a slow acoustic song that doesn't, it has this melodramatic piano and, and whatever the, the weird strings or guitar sound before it gets to the chorus. Um, little vocoder on the vocals. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's so is that, is this song in your top three? Oh yeah. Oh my I, God. I am a sucker when they slow it down. Give me that <laughs> piano or whatever else you mentioned. I'm like, I'm, I'm here for it every time. I don't you're care in. if it's, you're yeah, in. I don't care. Like, there's 10 of 10s, and this might not be a 10 of 10, but I'm in every single time because I, 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 I'm not, you know, musically, huh? What are you going to do? But, you know, how it makes me feel, I just want to slow it down. And, like, it, so there's a, there was a bunch of, like, At Your Funeral was the big one, which still to this day, That's a great if you're, like, in, like, a restaurant or at, like, a random place and it comes on, like, everyone perks up, right? Like, everyone remembers that song even though the rest of their music wasn't good. Uh, mm. Controversial statement. Probably the worst concert I've ever been to in my life, except for that song. <laughs> uh, uh, but there was a bunch of other ones. Like if I, this was a little bit later, but the um, I, you guys were probably out from when for, from first to last came out. Um, yeah. Shout out uh, Skrillex and EDM fans. But right, Skrillex right. used to be in a hardcore band called From First to Last. They had a song There's called Emma. Screamo, called right? Emily. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And everything else was very hard. But they had a song called Emily, which it, it just backs it all the way up. And it's just like this. Or Brand New had songs like this. The Blink-182 song that I always think about was the, um, I don't even know what album it was on. It was like on a, I think it was like an extra track on Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, the um, What Went Wrong, when mm. Tom would come out by himself with his acoustic guitar that had swear words all over it. <laughs> and he would sing this song. And it's like, is that song good? I don't know. Does it make me feel good? A hundred percent. Sure, sure. I'm just here for this genre of the pull it back. Yeah. And this yeah. was Quit Your Life represents that. And, and so I, you know, I'm, you know. Also, I've heard you guys talk about this. It's a really good. I'm on the road, but I really just miss home. Sure. There's a whole catalog of I'm on the road, but I really miss home. But actually, secretly, I just want to be on the road. But I'm going <laughs> to tell you, I miss home. Right. Yeah. So. All right. Other other two. Okay, other two. I should say well-adjusted, right? Because that's probably the most interesting musically. I'm not going to say it because I'm not here for the music. I'm here for the narrative. Sure. So uh, I, would, I would go for It's All Right just because Benji Madden is in it. <laughs> and just because for how much, like, symbolically that means. Yeah. And it's nice. You know, it's, it has a nice melody. And Andrew all had stuff. a similar, similar take. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on my top right, three right. until we get... Until, you know, we start getting into the uh, track by track later. But so we got um, from you, we have Quit Your Life. We have It's All Right. What's your number yep. three? Three, of course, it's Kings of Hollywood. <laughs> because it, so like every, you know, big musician in history, hyperbole, but just like Good Charlotte, a band in their East Coast anthems for songs about Los Angeles, mm -hmm. just like every cool rock band in the 70s and, and all the big British bands moved to Los Angeles, and just like Frank Sinatra and B.B. King and Billy Joel, eventually <laughs> MSPX was going to ditch Bremerton for the sunny skies of Los Angeles. I was confused. We were texting about this, Ty, that like, was he a king of Hollywood? I'm confused. Is this I all no just a like dream? <laughs> Is it like I when no he idea. visited? Look, I have no idea, but throughout history, 
everyone sings songs about Los Angeles. They want to be part of the Los Angeles seeds. They want to ride around with their cars and their buddies and having a good time in the sunny skies. So I'm here for the, just like I'm here for the genre of the pull it pack emo song. I'm here for the genre of songs about Los Angeles. Got it. And they wanted to put, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing they moved there. I don't know. They, they, uh, they, don't they still do all their shows at the Troubadour, their big opening shows? That's true. I mean, they don't, I mean, they don't, so they're nobody moved there. No, they the, fa- the the yeah they're based in they're still based in Bremerton. Home base is Bremerton. Um, you know, Mike and his family they they live. I think they live in Waco um, now. Uh, but they you know they go back and forth between Bremerton and Texas. Um, I don't think anybody lives there. I just think that they um, they they're huge in California. Yeah. Look, and like, the, uh, this is a take of, um, I think it was an Andy Greenwald take. Shout out old grand Andy Greenwald when he was enjoyable. But <laughs> he, ha- he talked about, like, L.A. is a car music town, right? Like, you, when, you, when you are listening to music in Chicago, right, you might be listening on your headphones or you're on a train or different things like that. Like, Southern California, it's a car music town. You listen to music while you're in your car and, you know, whether the top's down or whatever. And, like, this is what they're talking about. Like city in our eyes, the music in our souls. Like I'm here for every little piece of that uh, vision, and the song has like a funny little bass, and that's fine. So we talked about um, ever passing moment Boo-doo. being a really good. Boo-doo. Well, yeah, we talked about that too. <laughs> 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 um, but we talked about how ever passing moment was a really great driving in the summertime with the windows down album too. Um, you know what's funny? Like if you ask me to name my top three MXPX songs, not mm-hmm. one of them would be from this album. Interesting. <laughs> Even though I would classify it as the most meaningful to me, again, sure. as part of this collection. Yeah. But I would, I would claim for the older ones, too, in terms of like if I'm making a playlist mm-hmm. as an individual songs and all that stuff. But yeah. again, I'm here for the symbolism and what it means in the collection. So I, I think the takeaway um, from all of this for all three of us is that the best album to come out in 2003 would be Metallica's Sade Anger. <laughs> obviously. I mean, obviously. That snare. That snare, the, you know, the... <clears throat> All right. I'm, I'm surprised that didn't make your list of best albums coming out in 2003. I, I unfortunately, was very narrow-minded. <laughs> I wanted, I, I wanted uh, songs that were a little bit sad, but, but not too sad. I think, Tyler, you've shed some important lights on this era for probably, I think it's representative of the way a lot of people feel about that time that maybe we weren't as into. So I think Can we, we gotta... talk about belt buckles. <laughs> let's, yes. let's briefly talk about let's belt talk buckles. Let's talk about the belt buckles. Okay. Because we, at the time, right, I, I, I don't know if people remember, but in 2003, like belt buckles, belt buckles started to take over mm-hmm. the scene. Like before, <laughs> was, it was, was you had your. You had your plain studded belt, right? You had your plain studded belt. That was my and, era. Of course. But after, after a while, I was like, I got options now. I can add a <laughs> buckle to my belt. I had one of those white stretchy ones that had rainbow, like a rainbow flag on it. But it still had the holes, so it was still a little bit edgy. Nice. But I definitely got like a big square be- buckle. Like I didn't get the, the Pokinacha <laughs> one or whatever. But like belt buckles were a big thing. I, got, I, feel, I, feel, like, I feel like they made a thing. They were a thing. So his the cover is representative of that of that time. 
with the belt buckle. No, and this is this is Mike's dick. This Mike's dick. This is. I mean, I think that is. Um, it's indicative of hey. of, the t- of the time, but it's also it's like every like I can look back and through these um, the artwork and these albums, and I can be like, oh, that's that's so rad. That's really cool. But there's nothing about the fashion of 2003 where I'm like, oh, sweet, you know, <laughs> trucker hats and, you know, um, and, and the sort of like um, sort of the feathered poking up hair and the and the and the long, you know, Bieber style swoop hair in front of your face. That's, You're learning. And, you know, it's, there's nothing about that style that I'm like, oh, I hope that that swings back around at some point. All right. All right. I got one more point to make. Okay. okay. And, and then I'm going to go. I think the dude who produced this, right? Uh, his name Dave Jordan or something yep. like that. Yep. Produced 1996 Goldfinger Hangups. Yep. The first album I ever bought. Incredibly meaningful album into what would become this entire scene. Great album. So, wow, maybe he didn't get this one exactly right. Again. I'm here for the symbolism, yeah. and what that album meant, and for what Feldman would eventually mean. So yeah. whenever you have the big Feldman blowout pot, I'm, uh, I'm coming back. This was something I didn't know until we became buddies. That like I loved Goldfinger in the '90s too, those first two albums. But like I did, I kind of missed the fact that he became this big producer um, and like kingmaker of uh, pop punk in the 2000s. And still is. I mean, it's, right. the music's a little bit different, but the whole the fever, five seconds of summer, like this is all Feldman. And right. he still continues to produce that Blink album that won the Grammy or whatever. Like mm-hmm. he is he is still the kingmaker, even though the scene you know might not mean as much to us. And Mike, of course, uh, is in Goldfinger these days. So. Yeah. I mean, he's the full-time bassist so. yep. with the guy from Newfound Glory. Not okay. the same dude who... the. Uh, uh, the drummer from Newfound Glory, I think, is in the band, but the singer from Newfound Glory was on this record. Okay. And then the uh, the dude from Story of the Year, who also had a 2003 oh, right. album. So, okay. Full circle. Yeah, man. All right. I think we've heard some good takes all around. Appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on the pod. And, of course. Uh, keep up the good work. I want you to send some morning after tracks, so maybe we can... <laughs> We can outro on that. <laughs> I'm not sure they exist. I uh, like to tell the story that we recorded this kind of iffy, iffy demo early on. By the time we broke up, we actually got pretty good and we had some good tracks. We just never were able to record yeah. them. So Tiger I, Jack I, I, story I mean, I as well. Could, I could send you the bad stuff. I just couldn't send you the good stuff. We want the bad stuff. Okay, are you kidding me? Did you hear our bonus episode? <laughs> Nothing gets worse than what I recorded. <laughs> you know, I think, but what was the name of your band again? Morning? The Morning After. The Morning yeah, After. I'll so I think. What we need to do is there needs to be a Tiger Jack morning after oh my God. reunion. Just I'm bring in, out I'm in a few bring all, all the scene kids. <laughs> I love you can hear the song I wrote in 2003 to tell my girlfriend, now wife, <laughs> to tell her that I loved her. Oh, we have that one recorded. Yeah. I'll, that's, play that, or I'll send that one yeah, to you. That's the one we want. Yeah, all right. Tyler Day. Thank you, bud. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, man. All right, guys. Later. Later. Bye.
John, some controversial opinions. <laughs> some controversies. Some sure. definite controversies because I, I, I don't think that this is the general consensus of fans yeah. in, in, this, in the MXPX world. Yeah, MXPX fans at least. You know, because as, as you know, I put out a little, little something on the Instagram mm-hmm. asking people, like, I don't know, because I have strong feelings about this album in the opposite way that Tyler does. And I wanted to feel like, okay, am I, I, am I in the minority here? Are you on the outs? Am I on the outs? Um, and so I said, hey. If this is your, hey, is this your favorite record? Let us know. And overwhelmingly, um, no, people do not. Like, this is not up there in terms of their uh, favorite records. Um, People like the album cover. Um, (laughs) Sure. Lindy says that nothing beats a crotch shot. Of course. Which is... You know, as we have talked about, Mike's dick being front and center there, just above the the poking at you. I mean, he's it's poking, it's poking at you, <laughs> all right? It's poking somewhere. It's poking, it's poking at you. Um, Alex Retro, um, he says no, not his favorite, but it's still rad. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark uh, down the walls says nope, but it's got some solid jams. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason says no. Um, and then uh, Matt Burt saying, definitely my least favorite. I'm glad they got the simple plan influence out of their music after this one. And um, Josh Aguilera says that it's definitely one of his favorite well-produced punk, pop punk albums, but hmm. not... His favorite MXPX record, but not the worst. Mm. Um, I wonder what the worst is. Yeah, that's that's an, that's interesting. So I wonder what, what maybe poking at you for somebody who loves the sound of this one. I don't maybe know. maybe that that's. But I mean, people are saying that. Yeah, they they there are some good songs on this record. Um, Bentley Michaels says that they should have just trimmed the fat. And give us twelve songs. This this album has. 15 i think yeah and i i certainly think that if if there were going to be three songs cut on this album i know exactly which three <laughs> i would I've, cut i've got but, four contenders <laughs> sure um vegas carey says this is definitely up there for her hmm. because she loves the love songs sure and it's it there is a theme on this album and oh, yeah. i don't i'm not gonna blame mike for somebody who had at this point had recently just gotten married, yeah. I too in two thousand three was writing quite a few um, corny love songs. Sure, and I'm not gonna say that um, the songs are insincere or um, that they're bad love songs, but I think that some of them are bad songs i mean there are no flesh marks in parentheses on my heart no i mean (laughs) they're fine yeah 
I mean, I'll say a couple things. I think if we were to pull, say, fans of pop punk in that era, Mm -hmm. who for them, MXPX was one of the many bands they liked, they might be different from the MXPX fandom. So there's clearly, this is the highest they ever charted, number 51 51. on the Billboard 200. Yeah. So that connected with a fair amount of people. So I wonder if the average person who doesn't know much about MXPX might know this one more than others. I don't know. But I will also say I'm used to being the occasional MXPX naysayer of the two of us on this show. And I'm ready to defend this album to some extent. I think I like it a lot more than you do. I would say there are seven songs I really like, three I like, and four that are unequivocally my least favorite MXPX songs (laughs) up until this point. So a mixed bag. But like I said on Every Passing Moment, I feel like um, it's not that I'm grading this in Ever Passing Moment on a curve. It's just they're so different from the first few albums that I feel like I have to appreciate them as a different sounding band. So like looking at them in that light, there's a lot I I like here, but you know, does it sound like life in general or teenage politics? Like definitely not. Are they talking about anything related to justice or politics or even faith? Yeah, there's one faithy song we'll get into. But not so much. So Yeah, this is we might, we might have to have, have words, but... Is this the first time... Because you said even on the last album that you were fully on board with everything MXPX up to that point. Was this the first time you were not there with them? Yeah. I, it, it bummed me out. Yeah. It, it, I, I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> it, it didn't... like When it started out, I'm like, what, what is this sort of... Th- throwaway hmm. intro thing sure. and you know just going from um the starting songs from you know you, like you look at the past uh, handful of albums under lock and key mm-hmm. just boom out the gate sure. love it it's a you know two minute 30 song it's a great, it just, it doesn't waste any time. My Life Story, another, you know, 244, great sure. guitar intro. And then this is a sort of, e- like the easing into the album with this sort of sure. radio, you know, th- sort of sounds and blending of their, like, there's sort of like bits of songs that you haven't heard that are coming up in, but it's before. Yes. And then we get the album, and then and then after it, and then yeah. it's before, and then everything sucks, and then <laughs> after. I mean, I always skipped the little intro, and if you consider "Play It Loud" to be the opening, like I love that song. So, yes. so I feel okay. like that starts off in a way that's comparable to the other album openers. It, you know, we're getting okay. We're getting ahead let, of ourselves. Let's get ahead of ourselves. Let's let's talk about us. You know, we talked about what Tyler was going through and mm-hmm. what was up with him in two thousand three. John Potter, mm-hmm. what was up with you in two thousand three? Well, this was my sophomore year of college. I bought before everything and after at cheapo coming full circle 
this is the last MXPX album I ever bought. Sorry, guys, until this new one. Um, and I, yeah, we talked a little bit about what was going on musically at that time, but I was more or less out on at least pop punk at that point. I mean, as we talked about Blink's self-titled album came out that year and that kind of brought me back around on them. I thought they were doing some interesting things. But for me, that was like Johnny Cash's Hurt video came out. He yeah. died that year. Yeah. He was always big for me. Tyler mocks me for this, but Radiohead has always been huge for me. Hail to the why? Thief. I don't... Why? <laughs> what is... Okay, if you're if someone if someone is going to be like, bro, Radiohead, I know, I know. you need to hear it before everything and after. <laughs> he's he's got some takes. I told you, um, but that's a great album. Um, regardless of what he says, yeah, Postal Service, Outcast. I oh think we God. said Jay yeah, Black Box, album, Black album. But for me, that, Dread that Death Cab, Transatlanticism. Mm-hmm, it's a great album. I think the sound though that I was mainly in. Uh, at that time was something we touched on a little bit with Tyler, which is like kind of the like Detroit garage, like New York sound a little bit, the like kind of dirty garage rock sound of like the white stripes were really taken off the yeah, yeah, yeah's that whole scene was kind of more where I was at. So yeah, I had, I mean, 2001 Renaissance EP came out. We'll address that later. Yeah. 2002, 10 years running. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit, but yeah, this was kind of, I like this album a lot. I was in a place where I was not necessarily ready to receive it. And I think in some ways, listening now, when I'm older, I appreciate things about it that I didn't at the time. So, how about you? So, 2003 was a huge, life-changing year for right. me. That was your freshman year, right? No, it oh. was... <laughs> I mean, 2002 was the start of my freshman year. Okay. So, so maybe this was my junior year. Yeah. This, this came out in the fall. Yes. Yeah, so okay. this would have been junior. your your junior year um, when it came out um, because, yeah, I was in the fall of 2003. I was, it was the start of my sophomore year. But the summer of 2003 was when I met Dana mm. when we were 19. Right. Um, and Dana is... Um, who I'm married to. And so we've this summer, just last month, we, um, in June of 2018, we have been together for 15 years. It's pretty awesome. So, yeah, I mean, it was a extremely pivotal summer. Um, I also met Jenny in 2003, my wife. Yeah. So wow. Big year for us. Yeah. Big year. Love. Yeah. The summer of love 2003. (laughs) Um, you know, we might, I don't know, maybe we can, uh, maybe since that, that's, maybe we can talk about that for, just talk about our individual oh, relationships. I you say maybe we should get the wives on the pod, do a spouse pod. We should. That'd be, that'd be kind of fun. <laughs> Jenny's got takes for sure. Um, Dana has, um, takes only th- through, um, uh, vicariously through me. Sure. Um, Dana was not a punk fan in her youth. But the punk ideal, she's, she's all about. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 100%. Okay, so when I think, so 2003, I can identify with with Tyler a lot in sort of the sense, memory, the emotional memories that I have connected to some of these albums. Um, But 2003, in some ways, 
it it might have been like a zenith year for me if we t if we look at my um the arc of my faith um 2003 was the 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 zenith of of my faith it was the mountaintop it was the tip of of the of the arc of my faith journey i had i was never more um consistent and 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 steadfastly christian than I was in 2003. Interesting. And only out in from the fall of 2003 and spring of 2004, it begins that slow decline hmm. um, until 2013 when it um, reached the bottom. Um, but for me, a, some of the, the album that came out that year um, Switchfoot's Beautiful Letdown was an album that I was listening to uh, constantly. It was it was sort of the the album of the summer. Did that have uh, We Were Meant to yeah. Be? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And I there's one there's a problematic a problematic song on the on the record when I listen to it now, but I can still listen to it now and be like, man, these are. They're, the guitar work on yeah. on Meant to Live is great. They can play is, for sure. Yeah, it, it can. It it. There's a lot of songs on that record that still hold up. Um, Juliana Theory's oh, album yeah. Love mm. um, came out on my birthday in mm. 2003, and I listened to that album like almost nonstop 2003 all summer. I went to I studied abroad in Sweden um that fall so from like August until December I listened to that album nonstop all fall Switchfoot all fall um those were huge um albums for me um I was bigger on Emotion is Dead that was the Juliana Theory album I really Oh loved. that that was that was in high school for me that okay. when I discovered that album I but Love I think as as far as a rock album goes, mm -hmm. I I think it's probably one of the better mm -hmm. rock albums that I've heard in in recent years. I don't think that it it gets it's very different than Emotion Is Dead. Sure, um, but for for people who it's not it's it's the songwriting on it. I think it it it, it predates. The, some of the um, some of the popular styles of hmm. of songwriting that we hear now it, it very popular right now in, in music is the you hear a lot of woes sure a lot of woes a lot of <laughs> they were they were woe pioneers <laughs> pioneers pioneers they they have a song that so I would just encourage everybody to check out the album Love by Juliana Theory. I got it on on vinyl in this this past this past spring um because I'm like this is it's so solid and mm. and I there's nothing about it that is that there's not a song on that album that I think is is bad. It's mm. a, it's a consistently solid album. But I, I discovered in 2003 um, 
it was a huge turning point for me musically, which is maybe one of the reasons um, I fell off MXPX over a period of time in, in the coming years, because in, um, in late 2003, I discovered the band Anti-Flag. Mm. And as we've talked about before, we, uh, some of the, something that connected us in the, uh, the teenage politics mm-hmm. album was the, sort of the justice elements mm. or the sort of talking, talking about politics, talking about things that matter, Americanism and democracy and, and those things that were like, yeah, we, we, we care about that. And then I had no idea that bands like anti-flag existed where they solely talked about right. issues of issues of injustice that, yeah that I connected to my Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when I heard, I, I, that was the, that year, um, anti-flags album, Terror State yeah, yeah. came out. And the opening chords, the sort of the acoustic opening chords of Turncoat, the first time I heard that, um, I, it blew my mind that they were like, specifically, this is about George W. Bush, mm-hmm. about the Iraq war. And, and this was, this was immediate. This mm-hmm. was an immediate sort of the immediacy of the album. We're talking about things that are happening right now that are unjust, not things that are happened a long time ago or things that are sort of like maybe in theory like mm-hmm. no this is happening now with the Iraq war we went there under false pretenses we were lied to about it and this was something cuz this happened during my freshman year the invasion of Iraq and i never had something that like resonated so immediately with me like this album did mm-hmm. and so that took me down a path of like, oh my God, there, there's got to be other bands like this. And then I discovered, um, like strike anywhere. Mm. I don't know if you ever listened. So strike anywhere's yeah, I know e- a little. exit English came out. And so it just started me down this path mm-hmm. of like, I want my music to, to be telling me something. I want it to have a message. I want it to be talking about things that are significant and and so while there were so many great albums that came out in 2003 that sort of discovering of Mm anti-flag in late 2003 uh, sent me down this like path towards focusing on very much political punk rock and then i would eventually find bands um like propagandi yeah and um and th- th- I just I just latched on to onto that a lot, and I think, um, and we'll get into later, you know, like Panic and and you know Secret Weapon for MXPX so albums that I still bought, mm-hmm. but uh, I was I was I became on board with bands like Anti Flag mm-hmm. to a point where in 2005 I got 
an anti-flag uh, tattoo. I got a tat their gun oh. their gun star tattoo. I've never seen that. No, yeah, I'll have, have to, to post show. a pic. I'll post a pic. Um, did you ever listen to the Salters? I did. Yeah, yeah that, that's I, like the only Christian punk band I can think of that were truly like that out there politically. Yeah. Maybe, but anyway. no, they were. Yeah, they were very much a. Um, I don't know how you would how would you describe like a oh I would I also think like um, what what was the name of that another sort of in the vein of of the Salters me without you me without you yeah they definitely touched on a lot of yeah justicey things yeah um, oh that's not something you want to type in. Um, <laughs> So, Me Without You has an album called Brother Sister, and typing Brother Sister into Google... Um, weird stuff? Weird stuff comes up. Mm. That's... <laughs> so, anyway, if you're going to look up their uh, Me Without You's album, Brother Sister, um, in Google, make sure you add the band as well. So, um, yeah, that's... but. Some of the other albums in uh, 2003 that I haven't mentioned or that Tyler didn't mention that were um, that albums that came out between Ever Passing Moment and Before Everything and After, um, New Found Glories, Sticks and Stones, um, Starting Line, Say It Like You Mean It. Oh, my God. Did you listen to that album? Never did. I feel like I possibly saw them once, but... okay. Yeah, starting line. Um, that that album is like, then written all on heartbreak, on a single heartbreak, and it's it's fantastic. And it and it, I think it came out in two thousand two, but yeah, I think two thousand three for me was a huge shifting mm -hmm. life year for me. And, um, it's also really when I, my songwriting started more in earnest yeah. than it, than it had. We'll it, hear some, some future songs. Well, yeah, I think we're gonna, we're gonna skip some of, um, sure. the stuff that I was writing in 2003 and four. I did discover, um, some of those today, the, I have some of my early, actually, um, I have a song that I wrote in 2004, um, a song called moment of weakness. Mm. I think John, I think you might've heard some of my, of these early recordings I have. So I have the song, um, that I remember I, I was, I was going, uh, applying for a semester abroad, uh, okay. at a, at a music school. And so I needed to get some recordings together to send mm -hmm. to them. And I, wrote this song called moment of weakness parentheses god bless iraq oh, yeah. and i remember the guy i recorded this with he was like a friend of a friend and and i, I remember him being super uncomfortable <laughs> with some of the lyrics in the song mm, because just blowing minds well it just i i have this whole part at the end where i list all the people that 
Jesus died for because oh, right, right, right. because remember this Jesus is he died for all people. He's it, it, it was an inclusive um, sort of savior. His crucifixion was for all people, mm-hmm. and and so trying to say, hey, you know, we're we're making we're creating enemies and and these. And these people are still people that um, that Jesus died for, that God still cares about. Are we gonna and hear a little? We don't have to. I can let me. Uh, pl- I can play it. I get like super screamy in this song too, which is Love I it. think part of where I. Um, let me see if. We... Ooh, definitely a step up, production-wise, than. Uh... Andrew's party. <laughs> Come get this. Come get this. You are so brave. Amen. I feel so unsafe. A little dashboard influence. Maybe. Perhaps. Some say fearless leader. I say fearful. Deceiver. Dang. A little bright eyes influence, perhaps? You backstabbed us in our moment of weakness. You betrayed us in our moment of weakness. You lied to us in our moment of weakness. You got rich from our moments of weakness. It's good, man. Should we fast forward to the screams? Or do you want to skip the screams? <laughs> um, so, you are so, so full I, of it. Yeah, so this part where it says, um, God bless the USA. Mm-hmm. God forgive the USA. You bad. So, yeah, let me. Um, let me. Like yeah, it. so it's. The moment of weakness, of course, is referring to 9-11. Right. And, um, and I think this was, as I said, this was 2004. Yeah. So my direction of my songwriting, as you can, took a hard turn into like, we're talking about only the things that matter mm-hmm. at this moment. Um, I remember me... going to a Five Iron show in 2003, and this was like just after we started bombing Iraq. And Reese on stage was like, I think it was like the next day or something. And he's like, So we just started bombing Iraq, and people cheered, or at least some people. And he like took a moment to be like, That's not the reaction I was going for. It was just an interesting yeah. time in the scene. Yeah, I, I, and it was a couple years after this or a year or so after this, that um, the Rock Against Bush compilations came out. Right. And I just couldn't fathom why anybody would yeah. be on board with this guy still for another term. Yep. I just feel like there was so much evidence against his... Um, this this fact that we went under false, pre- false pretenses and, and how we... But but look at where we are now. Yeah, we haven't learned like, a goddamn thing. <laughs> I remember a lot of a lot of college conversations between you and I on, on this topic. Yeah. Um, here, let me see if I can. Screams. 
Yes. Yes. What was the producer doing at this point? Probably, probably adjusting the, <laughs> the <Yeah>. levels. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So that's probably the only taste of these. Sure. Um, but like, I have a nine minute and fifty two second song on here. <laughs> this was the year. These were the years of my epic songs, yeah. right? Right. Like, I can't wait. nothing, nothing was under like seven minutes. Uh-huh. Rock operas. <laughs> oh well, hardly. It was just I didn't know how to cut the riff raff. <laughs> oh man. Um. Good stuff. Good stuff. So. Do we want to... Um, yeah, you... I mean, should we lay the groundwork a bit for where MXPX was at? Because we had talked about... Um, they released two new songs um, for 10 Years Running, which I actually didn't know at all until we started preparing for this episode, where I was like, oh, I should probably listen to these. You know, I totally had forgotten about that the 10 Years of Running... Mm-hmm. Um, album. I mean, I I own it. I purchased it when it came out. Um, but I totally I I guess I stopped. I never really listened to it much because at me after in recent years I should say, but in listening to it again, it's like oh yeah, they remixed some of these songs and re-recorded some of these songs mm. and. Especially when you listen to some of the Poconatcha and Teenage Politics songs on here, yeah. you're like, wow, this actually sounds great. Right. Yeah, they've, I, they've made them sound good. They re-recorded some of the Let It Happen songs. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, I, and I totally had forgotten that even existed. Yeah, I think I wrote it off when it came out as just being like a best of and yeah. so i know or like think a I cash ever, grab or yeah something. so i never really spent much time with it but it's not exactly that so no not so let's um let's listen to um take a listen to a couple of those songs that uh were previously unreleased uh the first one is my mistake off 10 years and running This, um, so this is, this is part of what I have, and we talked about this on, uh, with Jason Hockney's I Met on mm-hmm. our previous episode, um, about how I had a hard time comprehending what the hell happened between, um, the Renaissance EP mm-hmm. and... 10 years and running because these songs came out they predated yeah. before everything and after and they do not sound they like. do not sound even <laughs> remotely alike yeah. and i'm wondering like yes some of these songs are 
in part of some of the sessions are um, the ever passing moment sessions and the Renaissance EP is kind of its own. It, but I don't know. It just it, I wonder how much the in, the the producers on before everything and after wanted them to go with a yeah. more slick mm-hmm. radio friendly kings of hollywood right. quit your life everything sucks when you're gone sound mm-hmm. something that's syrupy and um that maybe they wanted because if you think about you know responsibility even responsibility is it's yeah. not as it's not even in the same no. ballpark as anything on yeah. before everything and after yeah i I really like both of these songs, My Mistake and, and Running Away, which we'll hear next. They feel they have these very punky hooks, um, but they also don't feel out of place with the ever passing moment era, like you were saying. Like it's it's not before everything style, but it is it feels a little bit like the ever passing moment. Um yeah, a little I, more polished kind of sound. But. I could see I could see this this song on it, it it sounds better uh uh than the Renaissance EP. The Renaissance EP feels very much like yeah. a because they did record it themselves, but mm-hmm. it 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 feels like it could be on that on that album. Mm-hmm. Um Should we hear some running away? Yeah, we should. Let's hear it. <laughs> This is why I think I was so confused and so bummed yeah. when this album came out because everything leading up to it was taking me in a different direction. Mm-hmm. If if you were to say, hey, these, these new songs from 2002 on 10 Years and Running... Um, predates the the album that's coming out next. You would think like, oh, cool. This is maybe the direction or the sort of the sound mm-hmm. they're going with. And I just I don't I it's I don't know. Did Mike's songwriting style change that much? Yeah. Or what was the was there pressure that he had to sound a certain way yeah. or? I don't know. It just doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, but I think that's maybe why I, why this album flopped so hard for me because mm. I the expectations were amped up mm-hmm. before these two releases before 
Mm-hmm. The expectations were like, oh, it's going to be like the Renaissance EP or the 10 years in running cuts. And whoops. Yeah. I think I've, again, as I said, like slowly for me kind of began not the descent down necessarily, but each successive album I was a little less connected to. Um, so I think it, it didn't seem like a huge left turn for me that I didn't connect with before everything super deeply when it came out. Um, but, um, we should also say 2003 also saw them cover, uh, shout for the animal house (laughs) re-release, which I totally (laughs) forgot about. Yeah. I didn't Um, remember that at all. That was right around this time. We, we discussed uh, Scooby-Doo and Passion of the Christ soundtrack contributions already. We had a little, little shout-out to the Scooby-Doo on the, uh, <laughs> on the previous uh, Ever Passing Moment episode. No mysteries to solve today, unfortunately. But, no, uh, no, unfortunately, um, none. Except, um, do we, okay. Well... I was just going to say also, 2003, they released uh, Christmas Night of the Living Dead for the compilation A Santa Cause. It's a punk rock Christmas, which we'll perhaps cover later on a punk rock Christmas special episode. Yeah, okay, so... Around the holidays. We need to shout out the pod listeners that are actively engaging with us that I really super appreciate because i know that you've had some people reaching out to you i've connected with a handful of people who are giving us some um good feedback Mm -hmm. john i actually i don't know if i told you this Mm -hmm. um i had somebody just one person has reached out to us um regarding the uh our bonus app and the embarrassing music that i played (laughs) and the tiger awesome tiger jack i got some good feedback Everybody loves Tiger Jack. I'm saying, people hashtag it. the people demand it. Hashtag 2018 Tiger uh, Jack reunion. So in. So this dude sent us uh, an email to our Magnified Pod email address, magnifiedpod at gmail.com. Hit us up. And dude said he loved the bonus episode. Ooh. And he said he was also born in um, the early 80s. He was, I was born in 84. Okay. You were 83. Um but he, you know, he acknowledged the sort of like, yeah, man, I had some <laughs> rough recordings and lyrics <laughs> oh, as man. well. And so that felt affirming rather than like, you know, people yeah. being like, oof. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, come on, come on, guys. I know we all wrote some cringy stuff yeah, back in the day. Please send us in your, your cringy tracks. He, he sent he oh, sent yes. some of his stuff, so oh, we might need a special bonus up later of listener yeah. submissions. So, okay, perhaps. here's the thing: this is this is a, a plea to all the listeners. We will uh, send us your cringy <laughs> poetry, yes. lyrics, songs, um, anything that you recorded back in the day. Uh, email it to us uh, at magnifiedpod at gmail and if we get some good stuff or we get enough stuff worthy of a bonus app, we will feature your songs or poetry yeah. on the app. Um, because I don't want to, I feel like right now I'm sort of like out here <laughs> my, with my dick flapping in the wind. 
<laughs> like by myself you, where it's like everybody's like oh man tiger jack you're so you're so rad and it's well, like oh god damn andrew you're so embarrassing the, i am not gonna i'm not gonna call, uh bus toss by name or anything but i had someone reach out to me and they're like just listen to the bonus app i'm so embarrassed <laughs> like I, uh, i'm like i'm like for me and he said yes i here's what i will say yeah Future bands that you were in surpassed Tiger Jack in terms of legitimacy easily. So well, we'll, we'll okay. get to that later. Okay, yeah, we will. We'll, there'll be some of that. Um, yeah, but email and us. And I do have. Yeah, please email us. Slide into our DMs. Slide in. Yeah, if yeah, Instagram, uh, Magnified Pod, or at Magnified Pod at uh, on Twitter. Uh, hit us up anywhere with with your cringy um, artistic endeavors from back in the day. Should we take a little break and then go track by track? We should. We'll take a little break, and then when we come back, we're going track by painful track. Oh, man. They're not, the, there's, some, there's some great tracks. Oh, we'll say um, tracks two through five um, are great. They're we'll good. Get we'll, we'll get, get into it. it, but we'll be right back with Before Everything and After. And we're back. Boom. Boom. Um, we're about to drop all of the truth bombs. Uh, my, my bombs might be a little bit more scattershot yep. than yours. Yeah. Minor, uh, minor softer impact. Yeah. They're, Perhaps. Let's, let's maybe get off the wharf. I don't like, I don't like the <laughs> yeah. warfare metaphors here. Mm. Let's start this again. We're back. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about opinions <laughs> about this album. So, um, we let's, I guess we'll start with how the album starts. Uh, I mean, should we talk about, uh, the production a little bit? You know what? I'm getting ahead of myself, John. You're absolutely (laughs) right. What am I thinking? I'm, we need, this is, we need a little foreplay here. Let's do not go straight into the everything. I need no. a little before here. <laughs> we need we need um, a little before before we um, get to the everything. Yeah. And then and then the after. Yep. And you're just kick back. And kick back. Smoke and, a cigarette. Yeah. Um, boom. Boom. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I mean, so who's this produced by, John? This was produced by Dave Jordan who has some insane credentials. He does. Um, he really does. Among them, Talking Heads Remain in Light, Rolling Stones, Frank Zappa, Jane's Addiction, Allison Chains, the first couple Chili Peppers albums, and then punk-wise, he did Social D, Goldfinger's breakout album, which we referenced earlier. But the interesting thing is that this is only one of five albums he's produced over the last 15 years. Yeah. And it's, I was reading up about It seems like... It, there's a hard stop. It's well, it's, he said he was kind of like tired of producing. He's obviously been around a while and only really wanted to do the projects he was passionate about. And apparently this was one of them. Um, 
or maybe it broke him and he didn't want to I'm going to go with anymore, the latter. I, I think I had heard, though, that it was like a pretty big get for them. And part of that might have been that it was executive produced, whatever that means, by uh, an A&R exec um, who had mentored Christina Aguilera and the Black Eyed Peas and produced Lady Gaga. So I think it was sort of like an effort to like we are going to make these guys a thing and I'm going to get one of my really good producers and uh, interesting to think about that as the context for this record. Yeah, and that that also plays into the lyrics of track two, which is Play It Loud, but um, so do we want to, should we get into it? Get into it now? So sure. let's just... that in the scene yeah we can't play we can't play that full (laughs) track because it's only 22 seconds and but for me as i already said when that started off (laughs) you were bummed out i was bummed out it does i don't i always skipped it yeah it's if you're skipping something (laughs) well it's like 20 seconds i don't know i don't know it why not just make it (laughs) if if this coming uh seconds were the opening seconds that yeah. would work better it's unnecessary and if it's only for the whole name of the album to have a before at the beginning the everything sucks somewhat towards the middle and then the after mm-hmm. it's completely unnecessary yeah get rid of it it doesn't add anything i think you're a lot more bothered by it i i am it i am i know you can just skip it but if steve Steve kravak wouldn't have had any of this shit no 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 man steve kravak get on the pod we'll talk about it yeah man but play it loud it's uh it's on my top three it's my number one The driving drums and guitar. That's literally the words I have here. I love the driving drum beat and the riffs on the verse. Yep. I love the song. I love the harmonies. I love the keys on the chorus, that like who-esque organ that comes in later. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the, one of the songs on this album where the production plays in its favor. Yeah. I also wrote sounds produced, but in a good way. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, cause we were listening to, let's, let's just play in comparison, the play it loud 2002 demo, uh, 
and how much better the production and the mixing uh, of of the song really goes to help it. Going deep. That's embarrassing. Yes, it's a demo, but... <laughs> Benefited from the sheen of AR money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if that says something about if something, if something, I mean, does it stand on its own as a great song or is it because of the production that makes it a great song? I, or does it make, is it help a great song? see see light because it just needs to be yeah i think if that makes sense yeah totally i I think a lot of these songs have very hooky choruses which is true throughout the album and will often save some songs that i'm not as sure about and i could see why the hookiness of it might bother people that it's like too much too poppy but i think they stand as as great songs but but the production does make it feel like an anthemic pop song, not yeah. just like a, a punk song. Um, it's also another tour life song, which I know you're, you're into. Yeah, no, um, it's, it's in, I'm into that sort of concept of a song. I think every band needs to have some of those under their belt. Um, but this was something that I wanted to talk about the lyrics, uh, later in the song where it says, um, hold fast to your friends, be true to yourself, and stop trying to be just like somebody else. Hmm. And with after our conversation earlier with Tyler and him talking about how this is part of a larger story hmm. of 2003 music and having Jordan from Newfound Glory and Benji from Good Charlotte and Chris from the Ataris, it makes me think, are they trying to be like somebody else hmm. or are the A&R and producers of this album trying to make them like some other band and trying to make them a thing as yeah. you were mentioning? Yeah. Um, so John, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm feeling a little thirsty. Would you, how do you feel about a diet Pepsi? If there's a, a commercial to convince me, perhaps.
love this song too. Really? You do not. Um, it's it's one of the songs that I am okay with. Okay. On this album, it's, it's not in my top three. It's my number two. It's your number two. Okay. So I've blown through two in two tracks. Yes. Well, that Wait, where that, was uh, where was play it loud in your? Um, I'm I'm gonna. Or we're say, just going chronologically. Well, chronologically, okay. I mean, it's I would probably say it's my number one. Okay. Um, but so this is. This is uh, something that, you know, I think that is a theme on a lot of the, the uh, Mike's writing, um, sort of, sort of talking about mental health and mm. sort of feeling crazy and having a screw loose inside his head or um, being dragged away kicking and screaming or in this case... Um, he needs to be locked up and he's, um, and needs a lobotomy, you know, and I, part of me wonders, like, does Mike suffer from legitimate mental health stuff? Hmm. Um, I, this is a weird, might be a weird thing to say, but part of me for the number of times he has kind of, this has been sort of a topic in his songs. I hope so. Yeah. Because sort of talking about like, um, using the, the term crazy as like a pejorative or needing to be, I mean, he, he's obviously not mentally ill to the extent he actually legitimately needs to be. Sure. Um, he's at a, he's harm going to harm somebody. Um, at least I hope not, but it's just one of those songs. I think lyrically it kind of rubs me the hmm. wrong way a little bit. I mean, a popular punk thematic material time in memoriam to talk about going crazy. And yeah. I don't know, think about like Ramones want to be sedated yeah, and all that sure. kind of stuff. Like, and, and, and I think it's also part of it. It's also just a played out trope. Yeah, and sure. It's it's lyrically not interesting. I like it musically. Yeah. But as I've said multiple times, if I have an issue with an MXPX song, nine sure. times out of ten, maybe gonna... maybe more like six times on this record. But uh, <sighs> yeah. yeah, generally, I love the toms in the opening. The do 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 do. I yeah. love the guitar pedal leading, like the. Yeah. I love uh, yeah the guitar pedal leading into verses in the bridge. I kind of feel the same way that I do about Play It Loud, where it's like, it feels produced, but in a way that I think enhances it. Yeah, dude, that sounds badass. Um, It's weird that Everything Sucks was the only single on this album, because, as we mentioned, Well Adjusted was featured in a Diet Pepsi Super Bowl commercial. Yeah, one would think... One would think... I don't know who did the marketing on this, but one would think, if you've got... The Super Bowl, the right. most televised event every yeah. year. Right. To be like, let's launch this single. Then, yeah, do it. Yeah. Launch there. They have. They're on the stage. Everybody's into it. That would have been like. That would have been the time. Yeah. But 
I think we had mistakenly said in the past it was Mountain, Mountain Dew. Because in my head, it's like Mountain Dew was like extreme. And yeah. so it was like the Warp Tour or some we, kind of festival they were at in the, in the yeah. commercial. So w- what's going to happen is that's going to be, that is... <laughs> is that a correction? Well, yeah, it will be because it's on the Jason Hockney Zymet uh, okay. uh, episode. And I'm sure we'll get some. Yeah. So we're just going to go ahead in this episode. <laughs> self-correct. Self-correct. For the For yeah. the past, but I, in the future. Well, this is getting it's, loopery. Yeah, this um, is we're this is some back to the future kind of shit right now. I, I'm fading away. <laughs> the uh Marty. I mean, in my head, like I had totally forgotten the angle. The whole point of the commercial is that it's for Diet Pepsi, so the kid's dad is joining him in the mosh pit or whatever. Yeah. And it's like Diet Pepsi, you can be young or whatever. Yeah. But like so it was featured on that. The song was also featured in the Bush administration's Presidential Council on Drug Abuse ad campaign. What? <laughs> Which, you know, crazy. I don't know. Maybe it's related topic-wise. But, yeah, between those things, one would think that would be a single, but apparently not. So um, when I when I watched the... Uh, that commercial recently mm-hmm. there was what the the dude in the commercial uh, and maybe somebody can correct me if I'm if I'm mistaken but I think that the the uh, the son who's in the who's mm-hmm. talking to his the dad protagonist of I this think it's piece I think it's David Walton who's that he David Walton is he's an actor he he was in new girl he was um let's see what else he was in uh that's pretty good looking about a boy that tv okay. series that lasted for oh, like a he hot was like second. the hugh grant stand-in uh, <laughs> replacement yeah, yeah i could yeah, see that he did uh interesting yeah, let's get him on the show yeah let's get let's get uh david walton on the show i'm i'm like almost 100 percent sure it was him but if anybody else wants to disagree, we uh, hit us up. How did you feel when MXPX was in a Super Bowl commercial? Do you remember your thoughts at the time? Um, honestly, I think I was sort of indifferent. Honestly? Honestly. Really? Honestly, I wasn't interested. The same way you felt, that, the I think, way I think you felt ge- about the whole album. Yeah, I think this period of time for this I was just a just disinterested yeah i think i mean i've complained so much on this podcast about selling out and my strong opinions about it i think at the time i was like wow that's wild like you can't get any more selling out ish than a super bowl commercial for diet pepsi yeah but i was also like psyched for them because that's such a big deal and i really liked the song so i think it was kind of equal parts like concern and excitement for me at the time yeah, I, that does look like that dude. I'm pretty sure that's got to be David Walton. There's no way it's not. So I might have to add him. I'll, I'll add him on. Find him on the gram. I'll find him on gram. I'll find him on. Uh, I'll find him on Twitter and be like, "Yo, David Walton, at me." All you DeWalt heads out there, <laughs> let us know. How did you feel? All right. All right. Um, let's. We've spent too much time. You know on, what? It's all right. It's all right. Hey. Hey. That's the name of this song.
This is my number two. Oh, cool. I really like this one. Yeah. I feel like it's not quite as solid as the first couple for me, but it's still super hooky. I like it a lot. Yeah, it. I I really like the... It's. I know. I, I'm pretty sure there. It's an actual drum kit, but I like the start of it where it yeah, sort of sounds cool. like a drum, like mm-hmm. a drum machine or something. Yeah. And then the kind of phased out vocals and uh, acoustic guitar, and then sort of like kicking back in. Some I'm drum in. machine joy, if you will. At yeah. The beginning there. <laughs> I mean. Deep cut. I'm. Any other Joy Electric fans out there? I, I posted that pic of my guitar case today with the so Joy Electric si- sticker on it, and Let's do I tagged a Joy Electric Pod. I tag I tagged Ronnie Martin. Got oh, no Ronnie Martin love. Ronnie, Ronnie, where you at, my boy? Come on. So okay, uh, you have thoughts on it's nope. all right? I it's, like it. It's all right. It's better than all right to me. Yeah. Um. All right. On. T- so we didn't mention that Benji Madden. Oh right. Uh, is. Uh, somewhere in that in that song, he's playing the drum machine. <laughs> uh, onto um, Broken Hearted, featuring Chris from the Ataris. I'm broken hearted. Pretty good, as far as I'm concerned. It's my number three. Yes. And I am done. Here, that's all. I am done with the album. Your first three in the first four songs. Yes. Yeah. I guess my first two, so not that different. Yep. I, yeah, I feel the same as the last one, kind of like I'd love how driving it is, kind of similar, well-adjusted, the drums. I like the little bass solo. That comes yeah. in the breakdown. <laughs> yeah, it sounds great. The bass sound, the bass on "Brokenhearted" on "It's All Right." They yeah. sound, they sound really good. So if they took these these first handful of songs, um, and then added "My Mistake" and "Running Away" mm. from that ten years in running, they would have had they would have been on their way yeah. to actually having a pretty, and even like a handful of the other songs on this album. They if they could have had an actually a really solid album. Yeah. If they reworked those two songs from Ten Years and Running, and maybe a song or two from the Renaissance EP, yeah. it, this could have been a contender for one of the for like a significantly good album in their discography. Yeah. But as it stands, <laughs> um, it takes a really. Uh, uh, th- this next song is the turning point in the album for me, where they just lose me. I my turning point is one song after that song. Yeah, I like this song. This is the f- this is the first day of the rest of this album. <laughs> Not a lot right now makes sense to me. 
We are five for five here, as far as I'm concerned. Interesting. I like this song a lot. I think it, again, it drives and builds. So I'm drop not, out here with the bass. I'm not saying... Chase it's just a little it's, too syrupy. It's, it's cheese. It's, it's got some cheese. cheese. It's got some cheese. And again, I'm not saying this is a bad song. Sure. It's... I think this is where I'm saying it starts to turn right sure. here. Yeah, I don't disagree. But I mean, again, another big hooky chorus with those sparkling keys laid over it. No, it's... Um, there's a key change later, which I believe is an MXPX first. Uh, no, they did They did some of that on... on okay. D- definitely on Everpass. Okay, yeah, 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 you're right. But still, but it this, feels noticeable. Um, I want to love my job. I want to love my life. But most of all, I want to fall in love. You just got married, dude. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I wrote those lyrics down, too, because I was like, where does this fall in the chronology? I Perhaps don't know. it was before. I don't know. Maybe he had the song. Maybe he was connecting with his feelings before he found his one true love. Holly, uh, hit us up. <laughs> yep. Hit us up on Please the pod. Let us know where Mike's emotional state was. Yeah, whether Holly, he can you confirm? Mental or maybe or not. this is gonna this is gonna be one of our MXPX pod mysteries. We're gonna have to solve. <laughs> we might. Um, are you? We're about to take a turn into Bummer Town. <laughs> <laughs> toot toot. Next stop, Bummer Town. <laughs> Everything sucks when you're gone. <laughs> Stopping it right there. Um, so oh there, this song bums me out. I bum hard <laughs> because of this song. The two, the two things that um, come that are at positive about this are uh, Yuri's stick work. Yeah. In this, in I the love music Yuri's video. Stick work. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hashtag Yuri's stick work. No, but the, in in the music video, he's like twirling the drumsticks and he looks like a badass. Yeah. And what I mainly remember from the video is Mike's long hair and lip piercings and just a real look. Yeah. Sorry, continue. No, it's it's so for two guys, we've not made it. We've made it. We've made it painfully we clear. We are attracted to. Mike. We are attracted to Mike <laughs> out the gates from. Um, how cool we've always thought the dude looks. Mm-hmm. 2003 was not a good yeah. Mike Carrera year, yeah. but in his defense, it was almost not a good year for anybody, anybody. in the Maybe punk. Maybe he was the sexiest he could be at that time. Yeah, the the sort of uh, curtain hair parted mm-hmm. down the middle. It's tough look. It's a, it's a tough look. I've done that look. Oh. I did not pull it off. No. Does anybody? I mean, I'm sure some people. I mean, do, but, uh... yeah, it's it, it's rough, and but the, but the other beneficial thing that has come out of this is um, our boy Daniel Leary from MXPX Memes mm-hmm. did an amazing video where <laughs> yeah, the 
uh, every time uh, Mike said you in the music video, it would speed, speed up, up. Yeah. and it made for some hilarity. There's and some I'm super into that. Good fodder in the Everything Sucks video. It is, yeah. Yeah, I, it's not my favorite. I mean, we, the album starts to slip here for me. It crosses the line over into sort of bubblegummy, gimmicky. Um, I don't know that we'll have, as I said, I think popcorn <laughs> as a line <laughs> and delivery might qualify for Mike's delivery corner. But this song is firmly planted at Mike's emo corner, oh, which this, we will this, visit throughout so we, the album. So we talked about Mike's emo corner in the ever-passing moments. I don't know if it gets much more emo than some of the songs on this yeah, album. We'll, we'll get to some other. Um, but I think you and I, going into this, we can, as we've already stated in our interview with Tyler, that quit your life unanimously unequivocally <laughs> is the worst song in the mxpx discography our least favorite at least least well <laughs> yes but also <laughs> still Subject, objectively objectively the worst. the worst i don't know yeah sure no don't backpedal <laughs> You cannot backpedal okay, on this. Okay. Don't leave me out here alone <laughs> no, in the I, desert of this song. It's it's not for me. I'll say that. I've been everywhere around the world and finally here tonight. You seem to be the only one to make me feel all right. I feel good when I know you're coming down. I feel good when I know tough <laughs> tough one it's a t it's it's i i'm actually i thought it was a slam dunk when i said to tyler can you defend this song and then he's <laughs> like yeah bro it's my favorite this is number one this is number one I, there and, must be people out there who feel that way but um probably not a ton of the hardcore mxpx heads, no uh, no no and i this is this is the part of the I'm just gonna try and flip this song a little bit on its head mm. um, so it's supposed to be this sort of love song and how they love he loves to be with her doesn't want to walk too far <laughs> no but they, he wants to start a life with her sure. which is it's a sweet sentiment yeah um, bro why does she have to quit her life yeah right like you're this the is, one who's yeah. on the road all the damn time. This goes back to the the move to Bremerton issue. Like, <laughs> why you have to make it all about you, man. Like, why why does she have to quit her life and move to Bremerton and hang out and quit go your, all out? Quit your life is just such an emo. <laughs> it's, like, it's not quit your job. Yeah. It's like, quit your life for me. It's, it's so... It, it sounds dangerous. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to quit your life right now. Yeah. It's it sounds, not just dropping out of school and coming aggressive. to Bremerton. It's no. dropping out of life and existence <laughs> for Mike. And yeah, his it, sweet it, hair. Yep, yeah, his his snake bite. Here's um, 
Here's a question I'll pose to mm. people. How does um how does making out with somebody with a snake <laughs> with the snake bite mm. lip rings work? Yeah. I, I can't imagine that being Jenny had the piercing on one side, but not the, the both. That might that might pose a challenge. So you you had to you favored one <laughs> yeah. side. I don't remember it being an issue. But, oh really? You know. Two thousand three. Times were different. <laughs> There was a war going on. <laughs> you're, that was, you were spending all your time making out, and you weren't concerned about where you're like, I'm making out. That's the most important That's thing. Correct. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So we we only have two of your songs so far, right? Yep. Okay. Um, so we have more songs, and we have more everything. Mm-hmm. Could have been in my. This is a song I actually like. Yeah, I like it too. Uh, it could have been in my. I have like a top five for this album because mm-hmm. that's about as many songs as I actually like on this album. Mm-hmm. But this this would be on it. I like it. I like the little guitar part. The yeah, no, it's great. And the at the beginning, just because it's one of my favorite parts of the song. Yeah, it's cool. The drums sound great. It sounds great. Great intro. I mean that that too. I mean that that if that came if that came if they took out Quit Your Life, you know, we might have to resequence this album. I'm gonna create an alternate that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna create an alternate before everything and after. Mm. And we'll see we'll see uh maybe we should both do that. Sure. We can take songs that came out in this time. Yeah. I mean, do the two songs from 10 Years in Running qualify more for... Um... Sorry, I accidentally, <laughs> I accidentally pulled up Google and the Diet Pepsi MXPX commercial with David Walton's face was still there. Confused, so. muddy face. <laughs> Confused, muddy face. All right, sorry. Um, I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> the, 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 what songs oh, qualify for... Do the t- 10 Years in Running songs, are those technically ever-passing moment songs? Um, I don't know. I don't mystery? know, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some, I'm gonna do some, I'll do, I'm gonna do before everything and after era, like, you know, albums that were released or songs that were not on the official, uh, ever passing moment, you know. So Renaissance counts. I I don't know. I mean, that might be more ever passing moment. I don't know. That's nine songs. It's so for Kanye, it's like a double album. (laughs) (laughs) Burn notice. (laughs) Uh, Is it, is it (laughs) not? Sick burn. 
Is it is it nine songs or is I it think 10? so. Or it's definitely more than a usual EP. It is. Yeah, it's nine songs. I remember at the, we talked about it, how for me, like 10 songs made an album. So for nine, I was like almost annoyed when Renaissance came out. That I was like, they would have done one more. It could have been a real album. <laughs> yeah, it it because it's only it's like I feel like it's like 19 minutes long it's or short. something. It's yeah. super short. It, uh, that one came out on Fat, right? Fat Records? Yes. Yeah, that seemed super cool to me. And there was a skull involved, and I, that was just right up my alley again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's because it was also, um, oh, maybe the Broken Bones songs might have to be in contention. Yeah, tough to say. Yeah. What Stands on Its Own. I love yeah. those songs, too. Yeah. Um, we'll get into Broken Bones and Renaissance. At yeah, a, we, at have, we have so many EPs and other albums that we need to cover. Yeah. Um, but... So, um, John, I'm sorry, but I uh, have to jump back on the bummer train. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Kings Express. of Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, boy. I remember times back in Hollywood. Best friends making music, we were feeling good. Top was always down and the sun was always shining bright. I remember singing to the radio on the sunset strip. We were driving slow. The top was always down and the stars were always shining bright. The sun was going up when we were laying down. We felt like kings and we loved that town. The sun was coming up. I will say that I I like the chorus. I like the chorus. <laughs> um, I there's so there are I have a couple of more than a couple of bones to pick with this song. Broken ones. Bro- yes. <laughs> Sorry. Like broken heart. Mm, not broken. Heart, okay. But. So I think in an alternate universe, if this song. You don't just think think about it for a second. Pretend mm. of pretend this song being sung by a country star. Sure. Think think. Yeah yeah. This this that. to me is almost verge it verges on almost pop country. Yeah. This yeah. could easily if you put this in the hands of a mm-hmm. that wouldn't be. It this is the kind of fodder yeah. I think of when I think of pop country. Just like driving in your car and well, and even the sound of the like I could hear a a country voice singing the sun is coming up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Probably wouldn't be singing about Hollywood. It'd be like the kings of Mobile or whatever. (laughs) Kings of Mobile, Alabama. (laughs) Sorry. What do you have? We don't have any Alabama downloads. Yeah. Yeah. Alabama. Yeah, we don't. (laughs) Don't care. Long hair. Don't care. Mike's long hair. Don't care. Um, Uh, Yeah, just the slide guitar. (laughs) I'm saying. I think I'm onto something here. (laughs) I like. Uh, Please send us in your (laughs) pop country covers. Yeah, let's get a pop country of kings of kings of Mobile. I mean, and sorry, my and just really quickly, the um, the when they he says. 
uh, we love singing loud to the stereo, left coast punk rock. That's yeah, our scene. That, it, I was like, bro, this is not. This bad. is this is not. This is the least left coast punk rock song. Yeah, you maybe quit your life is. What's the demo of this one sound like? Oh. Does this maybe there's like a punker version at one point? No, no. it's not. Okay, uh, does it have the Yeah, it sure does. It's not quite as like I picture it <laughs> like a dude kind of gyrating his hips to this. <laughs> I think of um, what was uh, I remember times back in Hollywood. what's his name? Um, Sorry, Russell. I remember. I think of like Russell Brand, <laughs> somebody yeah. like yeah, just kind of moving around. Yeah, I um, it's a tough one for me. It feels to me like. Weezer's Beverly Hills. It does. Which was like two years later and the same subject matter and the same kind of like big dumb riffs. Like, so I almost wonder like, it, are they going for something? I, I, yeah. This is, and also the, this, this guitar part. Um, we're spending too much time on this song, but. <laughs> Makes me think of like Island in the Sun era. Yeah, hip, uh, hip. That, and I and I did that at the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> because I think subconsciously. Sure. That's, I thought you were doing kind of a ska thing. I was. <laughs> pick it up. Pick it up. Yep. Um, let's that's move past Hollywood into the capital. Um, if if you're ready to I, proceed, I am ready to proceed. Please. say you don't like this one it's gonna hurt no i i i don't i don't dislike okay it's my number three is your number three it's it's so here's i have i i don't dislike this song i think i think this might be one of this could be in my top five or six or whatever for this for the album i i strangely feel like the drums sound weird yeah there's even okay so do you do you feel like Yuri's yes. drum roll sounds it's a little weird? Different. It sounds like stilted. Like it seems like it's not smooth. There's a whole thing that happens at the end where the verse progression slows down, and I think there's even some timpani that's added in, and it's just like I feel like the whole drum sound is a little different than the rest of the record. Uh, there's also some bleeps and bloops in there. Epic. 
but different. Maybe that's different from what you're talking about with the rolls and the faster parts. But no, it's it's the it's the it's the snare rolls at the mm-hmm. beginning. It just sure. sounds. I don't know. It sounds. It does. It sounds off. Here's a question. Yeah. What is this about? That is. <laughs> is a, it about God? Um. Well, those that seek will we'll surely find. find. That's is, definitely part of it. Yeah. Um. I think so. The capital meaning like God is at the center, like the capital of a place, sort of. Um. I've been with you all along. I'm the heart, the soul, the mind, the capital of every of every kind. Those that seek will surely find. I think that's what it means. And again, it's like a theology that I can hang with pretty comfortably. Um, there's an interesting one later with some interesting uh, theology that feels a little more questionable to me. But yeah. Um, anyway, I, I, I have like nothing that one. else to say about this song. It's a good one. Um, on the outs, featuring another uh, second song featuring Benji Madden. Mm-hmm. On the outs, when she don't like you anymore. On the outs, your picture shattered on the floor. On the outs, your clothes are scattered out the door. On the outs, when things just don't Another pretty tough one for me. <laughs> it's tough for you? Yeah. It, it, it has grown on me, and okay. I think it's because of the earworm melody. Sure. It, the, on the outs, and the, when the guitar part starts yeah, like following the, the, mm-hmm. the vocal melody. I think it's just something about the opening and his delivery. It just feels yeah. too much. I don't know. It also is not helped by him letting out a full... Shamal. I, I have that in I have that in <laughs> Michael Jackson style. I have that in my notes that I said, do we get a Shamon? <laughs> we definitely we do. definitely get a Shamon. So let's let's hear that. <laughs> I don't think that anybody except for Michael could pull off a Shimon. No, um, no, definitely not. But <laughs> but we do we do have to appreciate the um, the Benji Madden vocals here towards the end. Is it over? It saves it for me. See, it feels out of place to me. Really, it just sounds different. He's straining or something. It's, it's, it helps. It helps for me. All right. Um, we haven't, we haven't gotten to your third one, have we? We did, the capital. Was it? Oh, okay. So we're just suffering through the rest. Disagree. No, um, this actually, this song, 
It's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, I was just being <laughs> hyperbolic. So, bef- actually, before we start this song any further, uh-huh. I want you to think about another band. You too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's unquestionably. It's unquestionably you too influenced. Yeah, track. and yeah. The opening, yeah. the piano that comes in, even the the, the bass line is very. This is you too. When did um when did um you two's album? All that you can't leave behind. Yeah, all, when did that, that come out? Oh, or two thousand, I want to say, either two thousand or oh one. shimmery guitar yeah the way it builds yeah the the opening guitar and bass and piano could easily be a bono jam which is different for them but not in a bad way to me like i i like it yeah i i had noted that it's the most un mxpx song (laughs) yeah perhaps that they've written because I think because it's so distinctively U2. Yeah, it's one of the best U2 songs of that year. Um, (laughs) Of 2003. Solidly on the emo corner as well. If you leave today, my whole world would turn black, Andrew. So thanks for hanging on with me. Very much like Mike's hair (laughs) and everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. This one musically, um, you're looking at me with a blank expression, which suggests you do not. Um, oh, it starts out super promising. It, it has almost like a, the drum beat and the chord progression feel very life in general to me. Um, but it, the chorus decidedly does not. No, <laughs> um, it, 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 it takes a hard turn yeah. to a pop t- area that yeah. just is unforgivable. <laughs> I, it's also the only song on the album with explicitly religious lyrics. Um, 
and I think he's back into the conflating God and girl territory here. Well, didn't I thought the capital was... Yeah, there's a little bit there. But this, I mean, he says, these days so few seem to have faith in the Son of Man and in his grace. That's much more explicit than the capital. I guess so. I guess so. Uh, but then he says, I feel your breath upon my face as you replace my broken wings. And I think he's talking about a girl, not God there. It, it I was almost, lost and then I found you. Is it about God? Is it about girl? I don't know. Um, it's almost like he's saying that the, um, whoever that he's with <laughs> has the faith, this, this girl that is breathing on him. Yeah. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's, what was, uh, the final slow dance from, mm. from slowly going the way of the Buffalo yeah, that, similar. that had that sort of like, what are, what are we talking about right now? I thought you were going to say conflating. God's grace with Andrea's amazing face, but no, it's well. In this case, someone's breathing on his face, <laughs> yeah, um, which is not something I necessarily enjoy someone doing. Um, yeah, I still like it. I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Having Jenny the breathe on your face. Yeah, that's I am pro <laughs> breathing on my face. No, I like the song overall. I I I can't hang. It. It's, you make me smile. It, it, it's in quit your life territory for me. Okay. Because the, there are some of the things on this album, I think it's part of maybe what's wanting to be, for there to be some, a pop element to this song Mm -hmm. or to, to this album is repetition, repetition, repetition. The, the, the verses have, uh, you know, you, you, they're just saying the same sort of words over and over again. And, and, you know, you make me smile, you make me laugh, you make me sing, you make me scream, you, you know, like what kind of person, like it's everything, you it's know, everything, all the, whole, the emotions, more yeah. everything. All right. Band-Aid. I, let's, um... let's, let's bandaid here. Let's go. Number four for me. Okay. I really like this song a lot. It's got got a little Jordan uh, there on the chorus, I believe. Oh yeah. Um. So while we've been recording, we've been getting some more um, people on the gram um, hitting us up with their opinions on this album. Um, so we have somebody, 
Jeff French says that he truly loves this record. Okay. Um, Jen uh, says it's my favorite, hmm. and not just because Mike's crotch is on the cover. <laughs> I'm a sucker for love songs. Yeah. And this has lots of them. She is not wrong. Sure. Um, Sarah Alspa, who was actually recently on the Poconacci podcast. So if you guys want to hear uh, from Sarah, go check out Poconacci Podcast. Cool. She says overproduced yeah. and underrated hmm. that Agreed. she loves a lot of the songs, but it just screams heavy-handed yeah. from above. Um, and there are quite a few good love songs on there, but it's uh, too much A&M. So... It's something that we sort of were speculating that there may have been a little bit of a influence influence over the songwriting direction yeah. production. Did we shout out a UCLA April? Yeah, she says, "I love this record. It's not my favorite." but holds a very special place in my heart because it was the newest release when I finally got to see them for the first time. And opening up with Play It Loud, which mm. I think there are a handful of MXPX songs that yeah. are great show openers. Mm. I think in recent years, they it seems like they've been opening up with... Um, a track from the the secret weapon mm -hmm. um which is i mean that that's a super solid opening mm -hmm. concert opening track great album opener um yeah i i don't i don't dislike this this last song but yeah it feels it feels like slowly oh to i'm me. sorry i'm sorry that's not the last song <laughs> is the after um no it feels like you're not alone feels like something off of slowly to me because it, i really like the opening i like the descending chords the pause before the verse um it feels like again there's some kind of varying movements within the song yeah um that slide down the guitar i always love i like the bridge a lot it also um our final stop at mike Simo corner you and your bleeding heart won't die in yeah. vain <laughs> it's yeah. a good one um so Rich Nelson, who does um, the Poconacci Pod. podcast, he says he likes the demos. He actually hmm, prefers the demos and um, and likes them live, but hmm. that the album was just slowed sure. down. I can see that. Um, but yeah, so not it's, it. it's very mixed. Yeah, you know. When we I first posted this, it seemed like a lot of people were noping out, but mm -hmm. it seems like some people like some of the songs, but that mm -hmm. there might have been a little too much um, uh, A&M shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. And again, that. like I said, I'm going to resequence this, mm -hmm. um, but it's, but yeah, handful of people love the record, but... Yeah. I'm getting a lot of nopes on here. Yeah. So, but fortunately for me, mm -hmm. and I think for a lot of MXPX fans, that to have one album that's 
sort of a bummer mm-hmm. in such a long sure uh, a long history as a band yeah that's great yeah you know the fact that there's really only one album that i don't regularly revisit this being one of them mm. i think that's those are good numbers yeah yeah i i still regularly revisit the first few songs and i think on this re-listen there were a bunch of others that i i liked more than i remembered so yeah and there are actually some um you know there are some songs that end up on i don't know if we should cover some of these um we might have to cover these at a later time because we're yeah pushing pushing the 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 time on this album or this 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 pod but there are some songs the some of these alternate recordings and demos um like um family affair slash sweet sweet thing um coffee song keep a beat things that were that ended up on some other some other eps so we might have to uh, cover those at a separate time. Sure. But John, um, I am really excited for yeah. Panic. Me too. It's going to be a great album to cover. Um, that's 2005, and that I think will be um, we'll be able to revisit some other some other stuff that was going on that year. I think you graduated. Mm-hmm college at that point and you know what we might have to get back and this was sort of a unique episode because of the the interview mm-hmm. but we'll have to we'll have to cover some other stuff yeah um what's going on and we haven't talked politics in a while it's true because it's not like there's anything significant no, no, no. going the world's on not it's still on fire <laughs> um do you have anything anything else you want to say before we close out this this app I think the only thing I want to say is on the next episode, we'll cover Panic when it'll be time for a podcast at our house. And it wouldn't be the same without you. So join us, won't you? Mm-hmm.